Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in California in the center of Silicon Beach, which is the third most important center for entrepreneurs, incubators, and accelerators in the world after Silicon Valley and Tel Aviv. I had a uh, fantastic late part of the week last week. I was giving speeches in in Florida, and on Friday I was at um, Coconut Grove, speaking to a business event at the Sinesta Hotel, which was fantastic. Sinesta Hotel is a great hotel, and Curtis, the general manager, is just wonderful. But I received a fantastic reception from the business audience. It was really terrific. In fact, uh, I got an email from the organiser, a really efficient, effective, great guy named Howard Kane, who said, you were wonderful. The feedback keeps rolling in and you were so very appreciated and fated as, as one of the best presenters we have ever had. So thank you very much, Howard. It was very much appreciated, as was your terrific hospitality. Now, Coconut Grove's a beautiful area, and if you go to Florida, you must put it on your list of places to go. We were very fortunate because we got a fabulous six-hour tour of the city and its bars by Liliana and San Diego, who are two of the world's most fabulous people. They were just wonderful, and they gave us all their time and took us to um, around the city and up to the Sugar Bar, and uh, yeah, we had an absolutely wonderful time. So thank you. Um, we owe you one when you come to... Los Angeles, we've got a lovely place overlooking the whole of the west of LA, so you are most welcome to stay here. I can't promise you as good a um, um, knowledgeable tour of the city as you gave us, but we'll give it our best shot. We're also down in Key West, where I haven't been before, right at the end of the Florida Keys, and that is absolutely beautiful, where... um, all of the old, magnificent, sort of colonial-style homes, and it was wonderful. So put Florida on your um, bucket list. It's a really great place. Getting as far away from that as we can, talking about farming. Now, traditional farming is just not sustainable from either a climate or a cost, a space, or a pesticide perspective. Vertical farming is the answer and it's really beginning to gain traction of course one of you know one of the problems is that um, politicians need to protect rural constituencies supporting farming towns and protecting employment but just to give you an idea los angeles based local roots three farms demonstrates the extraordinary advantages these are not ordinary farms they're not even outside but they're inside three small shipping containers now you've seen shipping containers on the back of trucks they're small now the startup uses vertical hydroponic farming a method where plants grow year-round with leds rather than natural sunlight instead of soil the seeds lie in trays with nutrient-rich water stacked from floor to ceiling in shipping containers. Now, these shipping containers live in a warehouse. Now, local roots farms save both land and water. Each tiny little shipping container produces the same amount of plants as four acres of traditional farmland. This is the same amount of produce in one four hundredth of the space. It also uses 97% less water and no pesticides. The farm's trays also constantly track the vegetable's growing parameters in real time 
temperature, levels of oxygen and CO2. And then it uses machine learning to analyze that data and improve the growing process. So compared to the average growth cycle of lettuce that requires harvesting, storing and transportation, local roots process uses about 45% less energy than traditional farming. So it's really phenomenal. And local roots grows 50,000 pounds of butterhead lettuce and 15,000 pounds of baby kale in three small shipping containers. And that's the future of farming. You know, you've seen now 20-storey buildings where they're growing all the fruit and vegetables inside these buildings. And so on one acre of land, they produce a thousand times more produce than is would be grown normally. So that's the future. So farmers, I hate to say it, but your days are numbered. A Quip CEO, you probably read that um, Quip, Brett Taylor sold his three-year startup to Salesforce for $750 million. And his comment shows exactly what the future is. Because what Taylor was more excited about was all the salespeople who'd be able to tap into by being part of Salesforce's $50 billion software empire. Because sales and marketing cost involved in selling business apps is impossible for even the most valued startups. What they need is a pre-existing channel through which the apps can be sold. So there's going to be more and more deals like the Quip Salesforce deal where startups build great products that are then sold to incumbent tech companies who have pre-existing sales channels. It is here, folks, because building those channels is incredibly expensive and almost a kiss of death for startups while incumbent companies have neither the talent nor the organisational culture to build user-centric software. Now, Salesforce still spends nearly half of its revenue on sales and marketing, and most cloud software companies follow the same playbook. It's a stark reminder that most of the cloud software companies that thrived on freemium and word of mouth have to find a way to spend a hell of a lot more on sales and marketing or get acquired by a larger incumbent with enough flexibility and a pile of cash. So that's also the future. Talking about the future, Google's investing hundreds of thousands of dollars apiece in virtual reality films and programs, part of a plan to line up exclusive content for the debut of its new Daydream service, which is happening in the next few weeks. Google will help promote projects from Hulu and fund the production of 360-degree videos with YouTube stars like the Dolan Twins and uh, Justine Ezrak. Google has also partnered with video game producers and sports leagues to boost its biggest virtual reality initiative. Now, Google's relying on apps, shorts, and games to promote Daydream, a hybrid store and software service that Google helps with the dominant way that people engage in virtual reality. The idea is to encourage the growth of their technology and ensure that Google keeps its foot in the door and has a central role in helping people find things to watch. Now, virtual reality growth is absolutely staggering. I don't think most people realize that right now, equipment sales are about $1 billion, $1 billion. By 2020, which is only four years away, sales will be 22 times that, a $22 billion. So from $1 billion to $22 billion in just the next four years. That is amazing growth. Now, Google's entering a pretty crowded marketplace with products from Facebook and Sony and Samsung and HTC, but Google's focused on mobile 
VR, whereby consumers snap their phones into a visor or a headset. With the headset on, Daydream presents users with a, an array of apps from YouTube to HBO Now. And while competitors are tar- targeting users willing to spend hundreds of dollars for top-notch VR equipment, mobile will reach mass audiences 24 hours a day everywhere. Google doesn't want to spend too much just yet and is spreading money around just to see what works. So um, they're spending high six figures on video games and they're offering from low five figures to low six figures for projects with filmmakers and online talent. Filmmakers working with Google must use a 16-camera rig optimised for the company's jump software program for uh, virtual reality content. But already dozens of filmmakers have signed up to work with YouTube. Uh, YouTube won't demand an ownership stake in the projects filmmakers created with its funds since the Google division is far more interested in encouraging creative people to produce content around the debut of Daydream to stoke awareness and excitement than it is to ring every last buck. And YouTube will be one of the dozens of apps available within Daydream alongside HBO's streaming service, Hulu, and apps from sports leagues like the um, NBA and the Major League Baseball. Google will co-market some of the programming. And though its projects won't be exclusive to Daydream, Hulu will time the release of several pieces to the debut of Google's platform. So Google wants to turn Daydream into the dominant interface for virtual reality. Now, a record percentage of Americans say they've watched Netflix in the last year. And uh, 54% of US consumers surveyed said they've watched shows or movies on Netflix in the last 12 months. Up from just 50% in the May survey only four months ago. So it's up 4%. And ahead of rivals YouTube with 47% and Amazon on 30%. So, excluding HBO, Netflix widened the gap with everyone since the last survey in May. Now, if you enjoy, if you enjoy this radio program every week, and why shouldn't you? It's fantastic, fascinating, riveting, valuable information that you can use in business then you should become a member of the uh, Bob Pritchard Premium Club. Now, this is a great club. And if you're not a member, then go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and join it today. So just go to bobpritchard.com, and when you get on there, it'll say Bob Pritchard Premium Club. Just click on that and follow the steps. So let me tell you about the benefits that you get by joining the Bob Pritchard Premium Club. Firstly, you'll be invited to my members-only webinars, and uh, they are going to be something. We're just in the process of starting them now, so they're going to be fantastic and interesting. Secondly, being in business, you know all those um, successful CEOs that you admire? Well, you'll get to meet them on the Successful CEOs program. And you will also receive a CD of interviews with 50 of the world's most successful people. What they've achieved, how they got there, and the challenges that they had to overcome. Now, not only will you receive a CD of 50 of these people when you join, each quarter you'll receive a CD with a further 50 interviews with the world's most successful people. So, unbelievably valuable information. 
what they faced, how they overcome the issues, how they um, made the most of opportunities. And you'll also receive access to business merchandise discounted to absolute cost, as well as daily access to the best of my disruptive ideas. But the best part, let me tell you about the best part, you will get a free business and personal evaluation program. This is over 450 questions that as you answer them, you will find out more and more what's good about your business, what's bad about your business, what you have to fix, what's good about your competitors, what's bad about your competitors. So it's over 450 questions that will change your business and personal life and it's worth over $499. And this will totally turn your business and personal life around. You'll also earn loyalty points with Bob Pritchard's Premium Club just for participating. How easy is that? These are points that you can use for all sorts of great rewards. And if you join now, you'll also receive one month bonus membership and the program is 100% guaranteed. 100% guaranteed. So what have you got to lose? Absolutely nothing. So make sure you subscribe to my daily newsletter, which is sent out to over 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries every day. It's a 30-second read. So just 30 seconds a day, and you keep up to date with what every entrepreneur and business executive needs to know. I apologize for my voice today. I've got the flu. I got back from... Miami, and I had the flu, and I'm trying to shake it, and tomorrow I've got a client meeting in Honolulu, and uh, so I'm off to Honolulu, and I'm trying desperately to um, feel better. My guest today, after the break, is Pierre Sofros, who conceptualized and developed the pricing research service and the process of his business, Atenga. A-T-E-N-G-A. Now, companies using Atenga services often enjoy twice the growth rate while substantially increasing profits. Now, that's a pretty amazing performance. You know, too many, too many entrepreneurs and too many business people in general misprice their products and leave an awful lot of money on the table. And the money they leave on the table ends up contributing to their demise. So I'll be back with Per immediately, immediately, immediately after this short break on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk to extraordinary people, people that have enjoyed great success and that have achieved something memorable and people that are really making a difference. You know, there are some 
extraordinarily talented people on this planet and uh, I love to speak with them because they have so much that they can teach us. I think um, the last five and a half years or whatever that I've been doing this program, I have learnt more than what I'd learnt in the sort of 40 years prior to that being at the pointy end of business. Now, my aim in these interviews is to find out what makes these people tick, what are the challenges that they've faced, because usually they're the challenges that all of us have faced, and uh, they can give us some advice on how not to make those mistakes or how to overcome those obstacles. And whether you're an entrepreneur or a CEO, there are many disciplines of business that you need to excel at. And in this segment, we interview people who excel at one or more of these disciplines, and we try to give you an insight as to why each of these disciplines are also very important to your business. I don't think there's any doubt that pricing your product is an extremely important part of being successful. And uh, as you know, I consult to many companies and it's extraordinary how many businesses that you go into that don't really have any idea of what their true cost of their product is. And they usually price according to what their competitors price at. And uh, more often than not, they leave a lot of money on the table. Now, my guest today is Per Sofas, who describes himself as a rainmaker. Looking outside today, not a lot of rain. And he makes things happen, and he never gives up. He also tells it the way it is. He's a very blunt sort of a guy, and it's the sort of person that you need to have come into your company and, and uh, assist you. He's built many successful and very profitable sales and marketing companies in Europe and the US. And Per conceptualized and developed the pricing research service and the process of his business, Atenga. The core of this pricing research is to measure willingness to pay and correlate that with decision and value drivers. Company using Atenga's services often enjoy twice the growth rate of the competitors while substantially increasing profits. Now, what I'm most interested in is PERS processes with regard to establishing price. Too many entrepreneurs and business people in general misprice their product, leave a lot of money on the table, and poor pricing can rapidly lead to your demise. Hi, PER. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Um, thank you very much for that introduction, Bob. Um, that was um, um, that was very good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, how are you? I'm good. How are I you? Good. I haven't seen you since last Saturday, in fact. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so, why do so many companies get pricing wrong? <clears throat> I think um, I think it's really because two things. First of all. Um, the, the kind of pricing um, education um, you have in in, uh, in business school is is just way too um, high level, way too academic, and uh, it, it's it's not really something that you um, that you can take home to your company or when you then are the executive in a company. Um, it's very difficult to apply it in 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 real life. And, and in fact, that was the inspiration that um, that made me start Atenga, um, because we did pricing experiments in some of these companies I ran, and and some of those experiments worked beautifully, um, and some completely blew up. Right. Um, and 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 what I uh, what I had learned in business school, and also what I could read about pricing, was um, essentially useless information. Right. And um, so, so I set out to to conceptualize this this process that that we've been using ever since uh, well ever since I I started the Tenga, and um, and and uh, it's very different. It's very practical, 
Uh, we've done some 500 projects, and I have 499 references. That's very good. Now, so why is setting prices right so important, apart from the fact that um, if you charge too much, you're going to fail, and if you charge too little, you're leaving money on the table? Apart from that, why is it really important to charge the right price? Um, because, first of all, the price needs to um, – the price – Price doesn't live in a vacuum. Right. And um, <clears throat> price, your price is a, is a um, or I should say your customer's willingness to pay is a result of all you do in the company. Yes. Um, it, it is a result of your product or service, of course, but it's also a result of your marketing, how you position yourself, how you differentiate yourself um, towards um um, towards your competition. And <clears throat> like you said in, in, in the introduction, um, many, maybe the vast majority of companies either um, set price by cost plus, meaning yeah. they, take the, they take their cost and they maybe double it or they maybe quadruple it um, or they may add 20% on it. And, and that's how they set price. Um, and, and that would inevitably lead to either um, that they leave money on the table or that they do not enjoy the sales volume that they, they should have. Um, so uh, these, <clears throat> these sort of non-scientific ways of, of setting price is, 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 um, is very detrimental to a business. Now, it leads to another thing when, you, when you're not pricing right, and, and that is uh, it leads to commoditization. Because you look at your competitors, you set prices maybe similar to them, uh, but you also look at um, their, their products or their services and, and you sort of copy pieces of it. And, and, and it's, that's not, um, I mean, every, every industry drives towards commoditization, but it is the differentiation that you as an executive provides in your company that gives you pricing power. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, something interesting is that I, I also think that in, in a lot of instances that I've been involved with, people actually uh, underestimate their actual cost. And it wasn't until um, I did some work for uh, one of the biggest supermarket chains in America and look at the way they cost their products um, – most companies that I've dealt with sort of buy a product for $2 and sell it for $2.40 and think they've made 20%, whereas mm -hmm. the supermarkets take into account the amount of electricity that's used while the product's on in their store, the shelf space they use, how much that real estate costs, how much it costs a storeman to move it from A to B, how long it takes to stock the shelves, and they put incremental charges on all of those um cost areas and so what what was a simple two dollar purchase of the product that that they bought from the manufacturer could be a three dollar cost by the time they take into account all their additional costs and most mm -hmm. businesses i find miss that step completely yeah no you're absolutely right and the 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 um the but 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 cost is still not a basis for selling price Right. Um, I mean, because in, in your example here, it could be that um, that um, actual willingness to pay for this particular product is, um, you know, two eighty. Okay. Right. And 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 <laughs> and then the the supermarket has to make a decision: is this a loss leader? Does it bring in people to the store, and therefore we need to have it? Um, or does the product has what we call an halo effect? So, yes, we're losing money on this, but it drives sales of an adjacent product. Think um, pasta and, and pasta sauce, okay? Right, yeah. Um, and, 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 and therefore, you have to make a strategic decision. Even if we're losing money on this product, um, we need to have it. On the other hand, uh, they may also make the decision that uh, we're not going to lose money on this. We're just not going to carry it. Sure. Uh, there's another, and 
what you said about um, a lot of other the positioning of, of the company and how important that is. There was a report a couple of years ago by PricewaterhouseCoopers that said that um, market, market service leaders, companies that were leading in customer service, um, can actually charge 10 to 13% more than their competitors without losing the sale. So if you're perceived as being the the customer service leader and people are really delighted with the service you give, you can charge 10% more without losing the customer. That can quite often be a, a quite a percentage on your margin. Oh, I, 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 um, I've seen that over and over again because, and this is, <laughs> you, you, it's funny, Bob, because you, you, you sort of push this one, one of my, my hot buttons here, and that is the, the, the um, you know, companies who do um, customer satisfaction surveys and only reach out to their own customers. Yeah. Yes, it's important to know what your own customers think about you, but it's even more important to know what people think and how satisfied they are about uh, of your competitors' customers. Sure. Okay. And and we have seen that um, also in in in, um, in 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 many occasions where we do these pricing research and we find that. Um, um, a, a, a company's customers have a higher willingness to pay than the general population, um, and and that really means that the company is 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 delivering something that is better than than what they market at. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and that's a I mean that's a good position to be in. Um, it would be a lot worse if it's the if it's the the opposite, but um, but that typically doesn't happen. So, what are the um, most common pricing mistakes that um, businesses make? Well, I think the most common mistake is is not to think about pricing as something you can work on actively, and um, and 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 really uh, see that as a as, as a profit generator. Um, let me just give you an example: um, pricing on the nine. Okay. Yep. Um, is uh, pricing on the nine typically um, adds um, increases customer spend with twenty percent? So this is quite, quite, quite a lot, you know. How do you and, explain that? Um, oh, it's because um, the, it it has to do with the psychology of, of pricing. When we read uh, um, a number, okay, right. the very first digits. Um, in in our minds becomes far more important than the digits following that first digit. So if it is um, forty nine ninety five, uh, we we look at the four being this is the important piece um, versus fifty dollars. Okay, right, right. And 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 because it's it's not fifty, it's a four. It we truly believe it's a lot cheaper. Yes. Okay, and so just to give you a, a, a just to give you a little example here, we we work with a company that um, they sell industrial electronics, and and they had uh, we just took their top five SKUs right. that was priced at anywhere you know forty three sixteen or seventy eight um, thirty five or you know something Whatever. like that, yep. Yep. and we simply we simply put him up on the line, okay? Um, it took us all but three minutes, and it added 158000 to the company's bottom line. Wow. So, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I must admit when I read, well, I read the first couple of numbers, though, I must admit. When I when I look at a number and it's forty nine ninety five, instead of saying, oh, it's 50 bucks, I always say it's 49 bucks. I don't know why I do that, but just something about me reads it as, yeah. you know, $49. But if it was 43, yeah. $43.65 and it was all, all of a sudden forty nine ninety nine, I think I'd notice the difference. Maybe I wouldn't. Um, probably not, because um, when when this is another um, error. When again going back to the the, the sort of business school case, yep. when they teach price elasticity, uh, they they talk about this as a linear function. 
Yes. And uh, we as humans are very non-linear. And, and that means that there are certain price points um, where, um, where there's, there, there can be large, um, diff, uh, large um, um, uh, changes in, in, in sales volume based on a very small change in price. Right, and and those those um, those borders, what we call them, price walls, are always, almost always, I should say, um, on on a on a fifty or on a hundred or a ten or a, a thousand or you know, so, yep. so they're on on on, um, on numbers which are, um, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, missing a word here. Um, so, so, so they're on, on these num- numbers, and between between those numbers, between, for example, in your case, forty to fifty, for example, yep. um, chances are that that sales level will be um, the same. Right. Okay. Because it's only when you when you hit that inflection point from forty nine ninety nine to fifty that um, people notice that people difference. start to react. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things that um, a study that I read a couple of years ago was that um, in the US, um, and this fluctuates from country to country, but in the US, only about 13% of people actually buy based on price. Now, those people um, predominantly do it for um, socioeconomic reasons, you know, they're, they're pinching every penny and they're trying to make everything go as far as they can. But the other 87%, um, while you can't sort of jack up prices willy-nilly, um, the other 80% are not really motivated by price. They're motivated by a whole bunch of other things, customer services, of access, delivery times, all of those sorts of things um, are far more important to people than the actual price. Yeah, and, and and that is that is one one reason why most most companies underprice themselves, um, but um, but some 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 companies also have they have certain products that are overpriced, certain products that are underpriced, and 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 that's a, a you know this is sort of another tip that that I can give to to your listeners that um, if you if you look at a product portfolio or a service portfolio if you're a service company. Um, some of those um, products um, are almost certainly unique or have some level of uniqueness to them. And, and unique products have, um, have pricing power. Right. Um, other, other products may be complete commodity. Now, a mistake companies often do is to, um, is to have the same pricing and discount policies um, across all the products. And, and what this means is that commodity products they have will be priced too high, yep. and the and the and the and the unique products they have will be priced too low. Right. So, so one very very simple thing uh, companies can do is to is to go through and categorize their products. Um, we can call them uh, category A, B, and C, where category A are unique products and category C are um, commodity products. Yep. And category B is somewhere in the middle. Right. Now, all these category A products, you can increase prices, you should stop all the discounting, and, um, and, and, and you need to message this to, to, your, to your salespeople. And the C products, Obviously, you have to work relentlessly on, on keeping costs low because it's only low price that will sell them. Yes. And, and the B products, you then want to look at, can we make them into an A product? Can we add something to it so that we get pricing power? Okay. So what's the right process for setting price? Is communication with the customer come into this? The the um, the problem the problem when when a company talks to its customers is that customers <laughs> lie, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and and well, think about it. If if you're you know, think about yourself. Think about myself. You know, um, if if I'm sitting if I'm standing there on on the on the car dealer lot, you know, and I really want that white 
car, you know? Yep. Um, will I say to the dealer, I'll pay another two grand if you have it in white? Okay? Yep. No, of course I wouldn't say that. Yep. I will say, if you take another thousand bucks off the price, I'll get the white one. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. So you and this is this is this is what salespeople hear every day. You know? So um, so people and, 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 and these are these are lies, you know. And uh, of course not every customer lie every time, but but sure. Uh, m- most and and sometimes it's not necessarily lies, but it's sort of withholding information, sure. and and this always um, creates a sort of a corporate gut feel about the market and willingness to pay, that is not completely wrong, of course, because the company is in business, but it's rarely right either. So um, the the process is really to your question the process is really to go out and measure willingness to pay, which you can do very accurately. Sure. You, you do that, uh, you have to do it anonymously so, so, so that folks don't understand that, that uh, what company is behind it. Yeah. And then correlate that willingness to pay with your marketing messages, your features and functions, your positioning statements, and, and all, all that your company brings to the party. And, and, and then you have a recipe for setting prices and setting the right prices again with having that sort of data to, to, to do it from. Um, it's, it's a matter of minutes. Right. But you have to have the data. Yeah. So I always, I always give an example of smart business as um, you know when I remember when Kodak brought out a printer and ink and they priced both of them with um, cost plus 20% or 25% Mm -hmm. or whatever it was and uh, Hewlett Packard came out and practically gave away their printers but charged through the nose for their ink and uh, anybody that logically looked at those two business models would say that the um, uh, cheaper ink model would work every time because, you know, you're going to use millions of gallons of ink, but you're only going to buy one printer. But in fact, mm-hmm. Hewlett-Packard giving away the printers and charging through the nose, it's a bit like the razor blade situation. You give away the mm-hmm. shape, give away the razors to sell blades. Um, mm-hmm. But people, I don't know why people fall for that. Why did the Hewlett-Packard um, pricing model work and, and Kodak's didn't when Kodak over a period of time was obviously much cheaper? Um, because because we as humans are not very good in planning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and I can tell you a similar story, uh, uh, and this has to do with um, airline seats, premium economy airline seats. Right. Um, American Airlines, this is maybe six, eight years ago. Right. Um, American Airlines um, um, started to sell these uh, premium, uh, premium economy seats. Right. At, you know, 50 bucks extra or 100 bucks extra, whatever it was. And <clears throat> they failed miserably. Nobody bought them, okay? Okay. So they had to fill up these seats with people who pay their, you know, cheap tickets anyway because they, they had to, you know, fill them up. Right. Um, and, um, and then um, United did the same thing at about the same time or maybe a year later. And um, they didn't sell those um, more comfy seats at the time when you bought your ticket, but at the, t- at the time when you checked in. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. And suddenly, um, you, I mean, so, so consumers that have been conditioned to, to only buy the lowest price, they had, um, because airlines are commodity, of course. Yes. They, they had the choice um, of a, a sort of a, a, a slightly more comfy seat than at, at, at um, American Airlines at a higher price or a cheaper price from, from everybody else, and they, they selected the cheaper price. Um, and, but then, once you have divorced that 
decision to uh, to buy the the upgrade or or in the print case to buy the the extensive um, uh, ink, um, you you see that as two different decisions. Yes. No, I they're not. They're not. You, you forget. Know, they're you, not, um, and you forget about the amount you paid extra for the ticket two months ago or three months ago and um, would you like to upgrade to a a better seat that's only 75 bucks well Jesus only 75 bucks why not yeah I get that yeah exactly yeah Yeah. I I get that and and, uh, yeah and and also in the airline case it's the is the um, you know <laughs> you're standing there in the check-in and, and, you, and you think about how miserable you're going to be in a, in a <laughs> yeah. cramped little seat you know yeah. and, and it's sort of there just in front of you so so the value of, of having some extra space suddenly becomes quite substantial so um, and and going to your printer case I, the, the, the reason the reason HP was so, again so successful is that you look at you just look at that one one purchase. Yeah. Um, you, you, you don't look at what are you going to, I mean, how much are you going to use over the next year or so? Yeah, that's um, true. So, um, so it's, it's uh, it, and, and this goes also, I mean, all these games that, have, that are free and have upsells in them, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's the same thing, you know, you, it, it, when you're in the sort of the heat of the moment, the, 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 um, uh, an upsell is 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 attractive as opposed to um, an initial purchase. So, are there any particular industries who are better than others at getting prices right? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, not in not really in in in, in my experience. Um, and and we we have worked across just about every industry. Um, there, there's. Um, I mean, pricing, pricing, your pricing or the company's pricing really needs to be part and needs to be aligned with, um, with, with your, uh, with your overall business strategy. And, um, and that is, a, a, you asked me about mistakes and that's another, um, mistake some, some, many companies do. They, they don't believe that, um, that pricing is important enough. Um, but industries, no, I, 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 I can't say that I know of any industries that, that appear to price better than others. So they're all bad at it. Uh, they're all bad at it. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, what? that's you know, a good like thing for you. <laughs> um, five years ago, maybe six years ago, we did a study on, uh, American, uh, executives and we said, we asked them the question, I mean, if you look at the, the top level, um, there's only three things that affect your profits, okay? Yeah. It is your sales volume. Yep. It is your cost, and it's your price. Yes. And, um, and we, we asked executives, um, if you're going to increase profits, what is your preferred method? And... Uh, 88% said more sales. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, another, um, uh, another um, uh, six or maybe 8% said better cost control. Right. And, and, and the balance, which is what, 4% said work with pricing. Right. Okay. And um, what is, what is uh, really, um, Common though, not, uh, and this is across industries, and and that is that the the companies who work actively with pricing are almost always the market leaders. Mm, okay, Be- because good pricing practice, um, pricing right, gives you additional profits that you reinvest in the company. Reinvest to drive innovation, reinvest to better marketing. You can hire better people, sure, and so forth. Yep. So, so, yeah. Yep. Um, are there tools that people can use for pricing apart from the ones that um, you mentioned? Well, the, for, if, for for 
if for, for if if you're a, a fairly large company and and you have uh, lots and lots of transactions, there's there's price management software. Right. Um, there is a um, there's a half dozen vendors, and um, it 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 sort of takes the pricing process into into a piece of software. Some of those uh, software packages focus more on supporting the process of setting prices, and others um, are focusing more on on optimizing prices. And um, typically, and, and we're talking about companies that have maybe 10,000, 50,000, a million SKUs, right. and, 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 and may have... Um, you know, hundreds, thousand, a million transactions a, a month. You know, yep. So, so large companies, and um, and these are expensive software packages that requires um, it requires um, integration into their ERP and POS system and 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 so forth. But on the other hand, um, they typically add between three to five percent. Um, of 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 revenue as profits, mm. which is substantial if you're a multi-billion-dollar company. It's very substantial. Okay, we're yeah. just we're just about out of time. But if if mm-hmm. you're listening to this program and you've got a company and you're not sure about your pricing, and you go to Atenga, which is A T E N G A, and speak to Per, what can somebody expect to pay? I know that depends on the size of the company and a whole bunch of other things, but just as a ballpark, what? How do how do people pay you for your services? Um, well, we, we like you say, it's uh, how long is a piece of string? Sure. It all depends. <laughs> um, but um, we 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 price our services um, so that um, you typically get a return on investment between um, two to three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so it, it, it's a reasonable cost and it's well worth making a phone call. Absolutely. The, the, in fact, um, the, 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 the longest return on investment um, a, comp- a client of ours ever had, I think, was about four weeks. Wow. And, and, and that, was <laughs> that was only because they decided to, um, they decided to, to, to apply our, our recommendation on a single SKU out of their 5,000 SKUs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perth, thanks very, very uh, much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. I really appreciate it. Now, if you are listening and you don't and you think that your products are maybe not priced correctly and you'd like to find more out more about Per and how to correctly price your product, go to Atenga. A-T-E-N-G-A dot com. That's Atenga, A-T-E-N-G-A dot com. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And this week, we're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment. Now, the World Economic Forum has concluded that blockchain technology will fundamentally alter the way financial institutions do business around the world. Blockchain can drive simplicity and efficiency in financial services and a whole bunch of other industries and will redraw processes and disrupt orthodoxies that are foundational to today's business models. Blockchain will become the beating heart of the finance industry. 
It's amazing, blockchain. It'll build innovative solutions across the industry, becoming ever more integrated into the structure of financial services as mainframes, messaging services, and electronic trading did before it. Instead of one central database of who owns what, blockchain allows for a network of identical linked databases that talk to each other and are updated simultaneously. This cuts out the need for middlemen in transactions because the fact that everyone signs off means trust is built into the system. By cutting out middlemen, you save a fortune. <laughs> and the process also reduces error. Now, the technology can be used to record anything that involves transactions. Applications are being developed, developed for everything from share records to real estate to art to diamonds, you name it, blockchains in it. The um, World Economic Forum identifies six value drivers, which are basically reasons why everybody is so enthusiastic about blockchain. They are operational simplification, regulatory efficiency improvement, counterparty risk reduction, clearing and settlement time reduction, liquidity and capital improvement, and fraud minimization. So that's... That's a bunch of really good reasons to use blockchain. Advancement in artificial intelligence, coupled with the proliferation of messaging apps, are fueling the development of chatbots. Chatbots are popping up everywhere. They're software programs that use messaging as the interface through which to carry out any number of tasks, you know, from scheduling a meeting to reporting weather to helping users buy a pair of shoes. Companies are starting to invest heavily in the bot economy. A number of brands and publishers have already deployed bots on messaging and collaboration channels, including Hewlett-Packard, 1-800-Flowers, CNN, and a whole bunch of others. Now, while the bot revolution is still in an early phase, many believe 2016 will be the year these conventional conversational interactions take off. <coughs> Excuse me. The potential annual savings that businesses could realise if chatbots replace some of their customer service and sales reps are substantial. Now, artificial intelligence has reached a stage in which chatbots can have increasingly engaging and human conversations, allowing businesses to leverage the inexpensive and wide-reaching technology to engage with more customers. Now, they're particularly well-suited for mobile, perhaps more so than apps. Messaging's at the heart of the mobile experience as the rapid adoption of chat apps demonstrates. Now, chatbots could be lucrative for messaging apps and the developers who build bots for these platforms, similar to how app stores have developed into money-making ecosystems. Now, just a quick thing to finish off. I, I don't know about you, but I can never find my car in a parking lot. I'm bloody hopeless at it. So I roam around clicking on the panic button on my car keys so that the alarm goes off and I can find the car. It can be really frustrating, particularly if you're in a hurry. But now at last, we have a tiny device which allows you to track your vehicle using your smartphone. And you can do it without spending a fortune. A California-based startup company has made it a reality. They've created a tiny little device that works on your smartphone. It's called TrackR, T-R-A-C-K-R. And it's a state-of-the-art tracking device the size of a quarter. It can change the way we keep track of very important things in our lives. So simply attach track art or whatever you want to keep tabs on and the entire process of setting it up only takes five minutes or less. You can attach it to your keys, briefcase, wallet, your latest tech gadget, your girlfriend or anything else that you want to be able to find if it gets lost. You just hide it under the floor mat or in the trunk or the glove compartment and bingo. So it has unlimited possibilities. I love it. And track R, T-R-A-C-K-R, only costs 29 bucks. I'll see you again next week. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope, if you're not living on the edge, then you're just taking up too much space. It's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll for my daily newsletter. It takes just 30 seconds to read, and I'll keep you up to date with all the business news that's important. 
Next week, I'll again broadcast from my studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles where technology meets entertainment. And while I'm in Hawaii for the next few days, I'll be thinking about all of you. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.